My wife uh, told me about this. My beautiful wife told me about this this week. And that's how I'm going to begin the sermon. At 211 degrees, water is hot. But at 212 degrees, it boils. One degree. Water boiling makes steam, doesn't it? Steam can power a locomotive. One degree is all it takes to go from hot to powerful. You know, when this country was founded, only one vote kept us from speaking German as our native language. One vote. They wanted to get so far away from from England, they were willing to speak German instead. For the last 25 years, the average margin of victory on all the major golf tournaments was less than three strokes. Three strokes, and you won the tournament. The difference between an Olympic gold medal this past Olympics and the 800-meter race, the difference between a gold medal and no medal at all was 0.82 seconds. Less than one second to go from gold to home. The Indy 500, for the past 10 years, The margin of victory was 1.54 seconds. The winner received $1,278,813 and second place was $621,000. That's a lot of money for one second. One vote, one stroke, one second, one degree can make all the difference from good to great. Church, it's time to turn up up the heat. Church, it's time to get right. Church, we've got to go from good to great. To do that, to get what we've never had, we must do what we've never done. We need a 212-degree attitude. We need a 212-degree belief. We need 212-degree focus. We need 212-degree perseverance. Here at Fountainhead, we need 212-degree unity. We need 212-degree kindness. During the month of January, we've been setting the stage and we've been participating in our 2013 We Care campaign. We've got the cards in the foyers, I've said. These cards, this We Care campaign we've been doing, simple acts of, of kindness for others without expecting anything in return. We've expected no money. We've expected no thanks. Well, the only thing we've expected is, is to hand one of these cards to somebody that we've done something good for. When we do something good for someone, each and every one of us have felt that glow, haven't we? We felt that afterglow. 
That glow when you actually are helping somebody do, and, and, and you feel so good doing it. And then the afterglow when you're, when you're laying in bed at night and you think about, man, that felt good. We've been collecting those this month. It's been an awesome month with awesome experiences. This month, what we've learned, first we learned that we are to give ourselves away. Not just our, our money, but our time. That's the most expensive thing we own is our time. We, we've been giving our time, we've been giving our resources, we've been giving our advice, we've been giving love. We've been showing simple acts of kindness. We've given ourselves away and we've answered the question why a campaign. The answer being we want to develop a mindset. You know, we spoke last week about the law of giving. And we used our anchoring statements from, from Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And then from Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And I, you remember I made a mess up here with the, with the grain, didn't I, in the... In the, in the and the cup, and I spilt grain all over the floor, but I was pressing that down, wasn't it? And I was shaking it together. And then we ran it over. And with what basket you use, with what cup you use, God is going to use that basket. God's going to use that cup. God's going to use that container, isn't He? How you give your money, how you give your time, how you give your influence, your kindness... It will be measured back to you, and God is going to use your basket. Today's message is very simple as well. Doing simple acts of kindness leaves a mark. Leaves an indelible mark that can't be erased. It makes an impact. And I want you to understand the 212-degree impact of kindness today. The 212 degree impact of kindness. We'll use two main Bible examples, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. I hope you get your Bibles out. This is not going to be on the screen. And if you would, go ahead and, and turn uh, in your Bibles to Nehemiah. And these are going to show us how kindness will impact our lives. Kindness will impact the lives of those around us. And, how, and if we practice kindness in 2013, we'll be better off. Again, turn your book to Nehemiah. As you do, you're, you're turning there to chapter 4. Let me fill you in about what's going on uh, in the books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, we see the rise and fall of God's people. When the nation of Israel split into the nations of Israel and Judah, the children of God still disobeyed. They continued to disobey, and through many major and minor prophets, they were told why God was going to, going to send them into captivity. He was going to destroy the city and its walls. And he, he, he told them through the prophets why his own chosen people were going to be conquered. 
In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see this conquered people coming back home. They've been allowed by God to come back home. When Nehemiah went to Jerusalem in 444 B.C., when he went to Jerusalem, Ezra had already been there for 14 years. But Ezra was a priest. And Nehemiah, he came with the authority of a civil governor. He wasn't just a priest. He was a governor of the land. He came with the authority of the king of Persia to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The Jews had been home for nearly 100 years at this time when when Nehemiah gets there. They'd already been home 100 years and they'd been trying to rebuild their city. They'd been trying to rebuild their walls. And every time they try to do that, the surrounding stronger peoples thwart their their actions. They they, they, they get scared. And, and they can't they can't rebuild the walls. They're intimidated by their more powerful neighbors. But Nehemiah, he was he was the cupbearer of, of Artaxerxes the first. He was the cupbearer of Artaxerxes. He, he was a very, a very powerful individual, a powerful Jew in his uh, in his kingdom. And now Artaxerxes the first was was the son of Xerxes. Okay, and it's interesting that Queen Esther, the Jewess, she was Artaxerxes the first stepmother. So Artaxerxes thought very favorably of the Jews, and he sent Nehemiah to Jerusalem. Nehemiah had the authority from the ruling power of the world at that time to rebuild Jerusalem, and it's in the face of overwhelming odds. That Nehemiah gets there. He's in the, he's in the face uh, of a hostile and desperate world that he organizes the Jewish people to rebuild Jerusalem. It says in Roman, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, Nehemiah had a willing, had willing workers. The people had a mind to work. And they had a mind to work. They needed one degree and they found it. They found it. The enemies said that a fox could go up and knock that wall down. But they didn't know that the Israelites had found their one degree. Follow with me, starting with chapter 4, verse 7. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, Ammonites, the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was, when the, when the Jews who dwelt near them came, if they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Already, as you see, they're losing heart, aren't they? Once again, they're losing heart. But notice, therefore I, Nehemiah speaking, 
Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore the armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored and worked, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that there may be our guard by night and working party by day. So neither I... My brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. In spite of all the obstacles, in spite of all the, the danger, in, 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 in spite of being tired and, and scared, the wall to protect Jerusalem was finished in 52 days. 52 days. These people were serious. They wanted their city to be safe. They wanted their children to be safe. They wanted to worship God in a way that they were commanded to. And they did what it took to do that. They did what it took to ensure their safety they did what it took to ensure their religion. They did what it took to ensure their families. They did what it took to ensure their peace of mind. Let me stop and ask just for a moment. What kind of city, community, do you want your children to grow up in? What kind of community do you want to grow up in? Do you want to live in? Do you want to work in? Do you want to lay your head down at night in? What kind of environment have you provided for your children? Maybe you've provided them a safe environment at home. Maybe you've got the uh, ADT, the keypad, and, and, and you, you feel very secure at night. Maybe you provided for them here at Fountainhead. We have teachers and, and we have preachers and we have elders and we have deacons and we have, we, we have provided a life for our families here. But you know what? Our security and our lives extend beyond the walls of our home. Our security and our life extend beyond these walls. What kind of community do you want for your family? 
How about a kinder, gentler place? Wouldn't that be a good place to live in? Wouldn't it be great when our families stepped outside the door of our homes or we left this place that we were treated with kindness by everyone that we came in contact with? Wouldn't that be awesome? Have you provided that for your family? Have you provided that for your friends? Have you provided that for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because I tell you, when you're kind to me, I'm kinder to mine. And when I'm kinder to mine, they're kinder to others. And others will in turn be kinder to you. And then kinder to me. And that kindness just spreads and spreads and spreads. Oh, Fountainhead, this is a wonderful work we're involved with. To show acts of kindness to others without expecting anything in return. It will come back to you personally in this congregation, in this community, four, five, six, <coughs> tenfold. That's the impact of kindness. That's the impact of kindness. Like the Jews, they're, they're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Like these Jews, are you willing to invest the money? Are you willing to invest, willing to invest the time? Are you willing to invest the resources? Are you willing to go through the dangers? For kindness. Getting the job done. Fountainhead, you're almost there. You're almost there. One degree. One degree takes us from hot to boiling. One degree takes us from hot to youthful for the kingdom of God. Just one degree. Just turn it up a little more. Just turn it up a little bit more. Turn up the kindness. The world's a hard, it's a hostile place. It's a desperate place. We spend so much time on things. We spend... So much time on things that don't matter that they end up do matter. <laughs> Bad little things add up. But so do good little things. And if we go from hot to workable and usable, this congregation, our God, will be proclaimed throughout the world. Our kindness must be a lifestyle this year for it to have any impact on our community. It must be a lifestyle. Think about what would happen in our community if we had 212 degree kindness. Think about what would happen in our community, in our families, in our congregation if we just turned it up a little bit more. The Jews had faith and works. And notice the wall was built by their faith and their works. Notice our New Testament example. In Acts chapter 2, Peter just preached the first gospel sermon. The church that Jesus built was realized. There were so many from out of town because of the Passover and because of the Pentecost 50 days later. There were so many from out of town that heard Peter's first gospel sermon, 
that when they became Christians, they stayed over. Notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice how their kindness permeated their community. Notice what it says. Praising God and having favor with all the people. It permeated out into the society and they had favor with with all the people. Now notice chapter 4 verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Notice notice their unity. Their, Their 212 degree desire to do what God commanded them to do resulted in God adding more to the church. Those that should be saved. Notice Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of those things he possessed was his own, but they all had things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed it to each as anyone had need. What if every neighbor, what if every co-worker, every friend of everyone in our congregation said, they were so nice to me. What if everybody that you knew said about our congregation, they did this for me. They did that for me. And it helped me out so much, I can't begin to tell you how much they helped me. What difference would it make? What difference would that make in our community? When you are kind, usually they are kind. And then they're kind to the next person, and that person is kinder to the next person. Then you have a community that you want to live in, don't you? Then you have a community that you want to be around. Small, simple acts of kindness. What if the person that you were kind to, what if that person you were kind to, because you were kind to them, They were kind to your child. What if because you were kind to someone, they were kind to someone, and that person was kind to your grandchild? Or your friend? Or your wife? Or your mom? Or your dad? See what an impact kindness can make? What would our reputation be if we were known as a kind congregation? Let me me show you. Don't let this campaign end the end of this month. 
This is going to go for all 2013. Make it your lifestyle. How can this church have a greater impact on the lives of people? How can you have a greater impact on, on our community? 212 degree kindness. 212 degree kindness. Dwight Fuqua said that kindness is love with feet on it. I like that. Kindness is love with feet on it. It's where faith meets works. And we do something. We don't just talk about it. We just don't sit here with it and talk about it over and over and round in circles till we're blue in the face. No. Faith meets works. Kindness has feet on it. We get out and we do. We get out and we do. 212 degree kindness. Stop tuning up. We've got to stop tuning up and getting ready to serve. There is wisdom in preparation. I will agree with you. There is wisdom in preparation. Have you ever heard somebody tuning up to sing? Have you ever heard somebody tuning up to sing? They go, me, 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 me. It's all about me, isn't it? I think that's what we do when all we do is prepare and prepare and prepare. And we don't ever do. It's all about me. It's those people who the Bible says, Paul wrote about them, they're always, they're always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth is, we've got to put feet on this kindness, don't we? We've got to turn it up 212 degrees. 212 degrees. To get what we've never had, we've got to go where we've never been. And most of us, including me, have never lived a life of kindness, seeing, feeling, really understanding what kindness can do in our own personal lives, the lives of our families, the lives of our community, the lives of our church, the life of our church. The impact. Christian's kindness ought to go out of the way, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Why? Because kindness, kindness to us really doesn't make sense. God's kindness doesn't, especially. Because we don't deserve God's kindness. The kindness that we have learned through the Lord is different from the kindness of the world. He shows us mercy. Mercy is undeserved kindness. Mercy. God shows us mercy. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, Therefore you be merciful just as God is merciful. And Jesus went about doing good, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. So should we. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, as we've said, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Do you believe it? Do you believe our Lord's statement? Then let's stop focusing on me, me, me. Let's put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. It, you know, it's been a joy to get the focus off ourselves this month and focus on others, hasn't it? It has been a joy to think of others before ourselves. You're sitting on 211 degrees. If your attitude is, I'll serve them when they get here. 
you are at 211 degrees if you're stuck on this pew. You are at 211 degrees if you're always learning, as I've said, and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. This month, so many of you have turned it up. You've been boiling. You are at 212 degrees. The focus is off you and it's on others. Keep it up. Keep it up. You're collecting glows and afterglows, as I've said. But we're not kind just to collect glows and afterglows, are we? We're not to be kind because we benefit or, or our community benefits. Those are, those are benefits, yes, but that's not the reason that we're kind or we should be kind. We do simple acts of kindness because we are servants of God and we want to be like God. We want our kindness to be the kindness of God. We have seen the impact that simple acts of kindness have in people's lives, the difference that, we, that it makes in our, in our own lives. So turn it up. Turn it up. Make it your 212-degree lifestyle. Back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9. The walls have been built. Their goal is more than realized. The leaders like Ezra, they've led the people in praising God. Notice what they said of God. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. And you brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. But they, our fathers, acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness. And you did not forsake them. Does this describe your past? What, what Ezra was, what the children of Israel were describing about their ancestors, does this describe your past? You've got, you got a hard neck. It's hard for you to turn around and, and do right and do anything. That's bad news if it does. But the passage here describes God, and, and that's good news too. That's good news for us. How, how do you feel when others are, are unkind to you? How do you feel when you're kind to someone and they're still unkind to you? Doesn't feel so good, does it? How do you think God feels when you reject His kindness? Do not refuse the kindness of the Lord. 
That leaves you lukewarm. We want our kindness to be like the Lord's. So understand, notice, understand, God is abundant in kindness. We should be too. God is gracious. God is slow to anger. We should be too. God is gracious and merciful. We should be too. God is ready to pardon. Are you ready to obey? Obey at 212 degrees this morning. Obey God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And leave this place loving your neighbor as yourself. If you're ready to obey the gospel, and you know what I mean. If you're ready to put Christ on in baptism, you've been studying. I want you to come forward when we sing. If, if what I read here in Nehemiah 9 describes your life, and you want to change. And you want your kindness to be like God's kindness. And you need help with that. Come forward right now. As together.